Bible chapter 7 is that to be what we will be studying from the, this morning, Matthew chapter 7. We had a great gospel meeting with Wade Webster, so thankful that they made it back home safely, but uh, this week was just a wonderful week, this past week, and uh, a lot of topics that were covered, a lot of things that can uh, help us in our evangelism and reaching out to others and show them uh, how to access that on YouTube so that they can have the opportunity to hear those words that were being spoken as well. And he just, just told us plainly what the scriptures say about some of the principles of Christianity. As we think about building our home and thinking about building our home on a rock course, and of course that rock we're talking about is Christ, our Savior, and His Word. But we find that there are a lot of homes in our world today that are in trouble. A lot of things are going on in those homes all across our land. And sadly, it's not anything new. And yet, if there is a way, and as we would say, there is a way, to weatherproof our home, then we want to be able to look at the Scriptures and find the means of which that we can find that which will weatherproof our home from the evil things that are going in our world. The way to do that is to follow Scripture, to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And I just want to talk about some principles that I believe will help us in having the kind of home that God would want us to have. I first begin by noticing the rock of Revelation. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, beginning with verse 24. He says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, as we think about that home, what is he telling us that we need to be doing? We need to be listening, don't we? I'm well aware that there have been any number of books that have been promoted by good people that relate to the home environment. We can learn a lot from them. But some have focused on marriage. Others have accentuated the importance of child rearing as well. But while there might be a lot of good books out there, while there might be a lot that can be put on the shelf, let me just say that the greatest book that I know of that has ever been written on the home is this one right here, the one that's in your lap, God's Word. That is the greatest book ever written. Would you think about what Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, when he said that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that we, as the man of God, may be complete. King James says perfect. Thoroughly furnished unto all good work. So I understand that everything that has to do with my life in Christ is found right here in Scripture. But certainly the same could be said about the home and the home that pleases God. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about the origination of the home. Because you see, when we talk about the rock of revelation, we understand that, that God's word reveals unto us the origination of the home. You know, sometimes we, we might talk about how that there are three divine institutions that are spoken of in Scripture, the first being the home, the second being the civil government, and the third being the church. 
But in Genesis chapter 2, God created man in his own image after his own likeness. And in Genesis 2 and verse 18, God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help me for him. A suitable companion, if you will, that is a compliment. In making a suitable companion, God made the woman, the woman. Now Moses said in Genesis 2 and verse 21 and following that God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. And they shall be no more twain, but one flesh. So God is the author of the home. He is the originator of the home. It was his design. It wasn't by accident. And God realized that the perfect complement for the man was the woman and vice versa. And so as we look at the scriptures, and not only do they reveal the origination of the home, but they also the regulations of the home as well. Now, there are numerous things that are really said in the scriptures that teach us about the kind of home that which God would be pleased. I think about Ephesians 5, Ephesians chapters 5 and 6, and in those passages of scripture, God talks about how the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church and that Christ even went as far as to die for the church much like we as husbands we should die for our family that's how important it should be the husband is to love the wife even as Christ loved the church but there are people who want to accentuate the headship of the male in the home Those of us who are males, we need to understand that as husbands, that comes with great responsibilities, doesn't it? Well, it sure does. We have the responsibility of being the provider, the provider in the home, and not just the provider, but also the protector. As I was just talking about the very fact that we should lay down our lives for our family as well. And there are a lot of men that have abdicated their responsibilities in the home. And we can take it a step further in loving our wife, as Paul said, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. But that also means that I can be a sacrificial, self-giving love. And that kind of love is really uh, to permeate through the home. Now, Paul would teach in Titus 2 and verse 4 that the wife is to love her husband and to love her children as well, Right? And we're talking about God's regulations, the regulations that he imposes upon the home. But then we think about the duration of the home, the duration of the home. There are a lot of folks in our world today that for whatever reason do not understand the value, the the primacy, the commitment that is involved in marriage itself. So many in the world today are, are getting divorced they're, they're, they forgot their first love, the vows that they made in the beginning. 
In Matthew 19, when Jesus was asked, is it lawful for man to put away his wife for every cause? In verse 3, he responded by asking this question in verse 4. Have ye not read? Have you not read? One of the reasons why so many homes are not intact today is because they have never taken the time to read the greatest book ever written on the home. Jesus hit the heart of the problem all because people do not know what God, God's word says. But in verse 6 of Matthew 19, he says, What therefore God had joined together, let no man put asunder. Very important, right? Typically in marriage, there is the exchanging of the vows. And, 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 and really, this is very important. We promise to stand by one another in good times, in bad times, for richer, for poorer, in sickness, and in health. Until what? Death do us part. I think that many have rewritten their vows to say, till love is no more. Because they think that that's the only thing that there has to be in the marriage. It's a commitment. That's God's plan. That's what God has designed for the home. Now think with me in the second place about the, the rock of implement, implementation. First of all, we have to have respect. We have to have reverence. We have to have revelation. But first, there is that application the implementation of God's word in order for it to benefit us or in order to really to benefit the home. But listen again to what Jesus said in Matthew 24 when he says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man. Oh, if you want to, to demonstrate wisdom in the sight of God, here's what you need to do. Take what the Lord said and put it into practice. Live it out every day. Oh, I know sometimes that's easier said than, than done, right? But when we talk about the home, if we want the home to be, to flourish and to be blessed, then we've got to take what the Lord has said and make it a part of our home life. Here are some of the dangerous trends that I think are reflected in our society today. And there, there are a lot of friends that had no doubt have been uh, a lot of trends that have been no doubt well documented that has happened in the home. But I think about the disorder that is so prevalent today. The dysfunction that exists in so many homes. Do you know what the psalmist said in Psalm 127 verse 1? He said, except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Do you know why a lot of homes are dysfunctional? with their problems and, and there's chaos, it's because people are not honoring God's design for the home. Now, there are a lot of homes today that are in trouble and there are a lot of homes that have literally become bankrupt, if you will, because they haven't implemented God's design. Think about the disorder. Think about that dysfunction of the home today. Think about how many husbands and wives, really, that have no idea of what their role really is or what their role or their responsibility is in the home. I talked a minute ago about the headship, headship of the male, the husband, and the importance of loving one another. 
And then I think about what Paul would say in Ephesians 6 and verse 4 when he said, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's not by accident. That's by design. Then I think there are a lot of children today that have no leadership. They, they don't have any instruction no discipline, and, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But there's a lot of disorder. There's a lot of chaos, if you will. Here's what Jesus said. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand, Mark 3.25. The home has to function as a unit. There has to be a sense of oneness, of unity. And then I think about divorce. So many Homes have given way to divorce. A lot of us have been impacted with our families by divorce. And while it may be true, I, I can't do anything about homes that have already been dissolved. But I can say to our young folks, our young men and women that might be thinking about marriage, that the best time to get a divorce is long before you get married. Long before you get married. Remember when you get married, it's a lifelong commitment. The word divorce has never been in our vocabulary at our home. It's not a way of escape. Let's work it out. That very love and commitment that we made at the beginning with those vows and our commitment to each other, Let's get back to that. Zig Ziglar wrote a book called Courtship After Marriage. I tell you what, if you court your husband like he's a boyfriend, you'll never lose your husband. Husbands, if you court your wife as she's your girlfriend, not, not just as a girlfriend, but as your wife too, but court her like you did when she was your girlfriend, fiance. You'll never lose your wife. God intends for that unit to remain intact until death. When I think about that in many respects, some of the problems that have resulted because children lack leadership, but they lack some guidance. What about that parent-child relationship? Oh, it's, it's not just disheartening, but it's frightening by some of the things that are going on in our nation today. I think about a lot of young folks, and listen, we have a lot of great parents here. I applaud what you've done and what you're doing in the child-rearing process, but there are a lot of young people in our world today that in, or even in our country, in our city, that absolutely have no guidance, no direction, if you will. What did Paul say? He said, rear your children in the Lord. If you want your home to be what it ought to be, if you want to have your children where they need to be, then you need to be teaching them what God would have them to do. Show them the way. Do you remember in Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 through 7? In the long ago, Moses had said, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently. You can underline that word. Diligently unto thy children. 
And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. The idea is, is that you are to teach your children. Paul said, we are to rear them in the Lord. There are a lot of young folks today, they have no idea what, the word, what God's word says. Whose fault is that? The family. The, fam- the fault is the parents. I think about not just the lack of spiritual training, but the lack of direction in general. Why? Why are young people out running around late at night with no supervision? Why? What would make young people want to beat up on the other young folks? I saw a clip of where a boy in a school who, who identified as a girl literally just beat up on this other girl who identified as a girl and beat her down and started kicking her. I, I don't know the, the basis of why that happened, but this boy, this biological male who wanted to identify as a girl, thought that it was fun to beat up on girls. There are some boys beating up on some other boys. And when these boys were interviewed, this was what was interesting, and they were asked about why they were beating up on the other kids. You know what they said? It is fun. Now that's sad. That's sad. And then we wonder why our country has trouble. One of those boys was 15 years of age, and they interviewed his mother. She was 33 years old, and she had eight children. I guess she hadn't figured out what was causing it. Eight children. What chance do these children have in this life? Absolutely nothing. They hear the stories of these children ended up in a children's home. The mother's on drugs or alcohol or both. The father's in prison. There is one thing to bring a child into this world, but there's another thing to take responsibility for that child. A lot of young folks in our world today, they absolutely have abdicated their responsibility in the home. When we talk about this issue, it's an issue that's, that's not exclusive to any one people. It's a problem among whites, blacks. I don't care if you're polka dot. If they're not doing what the Lord says to do as a parent, then they're failing their children. We're talking about the home today. Here's what our young folks need. They need direction. They need guidance. And they need discipline. The story is told of two neighbors living next door to each other. One was a retired teacher. and The other was an insurance agent who had a lot of interest in technology. And they had planted some plants in their garden they, the retired teacher did much, uh, give much attention, did not give much attention to his plants and only watered them just a little. But the one neighbor who was interested in technology, he'd given a lot of water to his plants and looked after them too well, if you will. The retired teacher's plants were simple, but they looked good. The insurance agent's plants were much uh, fuller and greener. But there was a heavy rain that came and wind that came through one night and they both came out the next morning to inspect the damage in the garden. The insurance agent's plants came off from the roots and they were totally destroyed. But the retired teacher's plants were not damaged at all and they were still standing firm. 
Wow, how's that possible? Well, the retired teacher smiled and said, well, you know, you gave your plants more attention with water, but because of that, they didn't need to work for themselves for it. You made it very easy for them. When I gave my plants just an adequate amount of water and let their roots search for more water, and because of that, their roots were deeper, it made their position stronger. And so that's why my plants survived. The moral of the story is this, the story about parenting where children are like plants. If everything is given to them, and they will not understand the hard work that it takes to earn those things. They will not learn to work themselves and respect it. Sometimes it's best to guide them instead of giving them. Teach them how to walk, but let them follow their path. Now, there are a lot of kids today that they may have no supervision, but here's what Solomon said in Proverbs 29, 15. The child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. If you just let your children do what they want to do, act like they want to act, go wherever they want to go, let me tell you what you're asking for. You're asking for a lot of heartache, a lot of trouble. As parents should know, As parents, we should know what our children are doing, absolutely. But here's why. Because they are in your custody. They were given to you by God to rear them, train them, teach them in the admonition of the Lord so that when they get out there in this real world, they can have a home one day in heaven because you trained them and taught them. They're under our guardianship. They're in our custody. Sometimes, in many respects, you have the salvation, you have the situation where the tail is wagging the dog. Instead of the dog wagging the tail, Solomon talked about the importance of discipline. Now, does that mean we ought to be abusive physically? No. Verbally? No. You know, when I was a child, I knew what it meant to do what's right. I knew what it meant to do what is wrong as well. And when I stepped out of line, my daddy corrected that. He would, as we say, beat the living daylights out of me. I tell you what, it didn't happen too many times off after that. I got the seat of correction. They told, my parents told me as a young fellow in school that if you get in trouble at school, you're going to be in trouble at home. You just wait used to be an old TV show that said, wait till your father gets home. Tell you what, if I, didn't, I didn't get too much trouble in school because I knew what was going to happen when I got home. And you don't want double trouble. But they kept their word, see? They, they said, okay, you get in trouble at school, you're going to be in trouble at home. And when I got home, I got in trouble. They kept their word, And so I knew to straighten up and fly right. They were serious. My parents didn't make empty promises. They were serious. Our children need discipline. Solomon said, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth them betimes. Proverbs 13, 24. Now, thirdly, what about the rocket stabilization? Is it possible for us to stabilize, to weatherproof our homes? Listen to what Jesus said in verse 24, starting. 
Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him a wise man, which built his house upon a rock, and the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. If we fail to implement the word of God into our home, then we're just asking for trouble. But if we do implement the will of God, the word of God into our home, we will be successful. And as Jesus said, we are wise. And so what about stabilizing our home? How can I make sure that my home is weatherproof? Well, that is, how can I make sure that my home will stand the test of time? Well, Jesus said, look, the rains are coming. Be prepared. Verse 25. The rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. So how can I foolproof my home? Well, first of all, I got to build it on the right foundation, don't I? That foundation is the Savior in the scriptures. Make sure that when it comes to my home, they were headed in that right direction. Here's what Jesus said, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. That means put the Lord first before anything else. As a mommy and a daddy, if I'm not putting the Lord first, I need to do that. I've got to set the right example in the home. I have to make sure that when it comes to number one in my life, that the Lord is there. He's at the apex of that home. I have to make a conscious decision to put him first, to implement his will to strive to the best of my ability to carry out his teaching every day. And then there's a second thing. Not only do we need to build on the right foundation, I want to suggest that we have to build for the right future. Build for the right future. Question. As a family unit, where will you be in eternity? In Revelation 20 and verse 12, John said, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Do you know who he's talking about there? He's talking about you and me. You and me. Think about one day standing before God. My mom and dad are standing there. They're going to be at the judgment. I'm going to be there with them. And as a parent, I'm going to be standing before the the Son of God. My children will be standing there before the Son of God. And Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The same shall judge him in the last day. The words that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Well, I'm going to give an account of my life based upon how I lived in relationship to the word of God. And then John said, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. When I stand before God, I will give an account of my life. When I stand there, I'm going to be given an account of how I lived as a husband, how I lived as a father, and to give an account of how I conducted myself as a New Testament Christian. Paul said, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.10. And so we will be there. 
on that day. Now think about this. When we stand before God in the judgment, it is an individual thing. When you stand before God and give an account of your life, but behind you will be your children. And they'll stand before the Lord and they'll be judged on the basis of how they lived. And there are a lot of folks in the world today that their children have gotten into trouble. They have been disobedient. They have been in and out of jail. They have been, they've had a whole lot of problems. And in many, many cases, you have found mamas and daddies that have bailed them out of one problem from another problem and another problem. They've always been right behind them. But let me tell you, there's coming a day when you're going to stand before them when you stand before him. And if our children are not what they ought to be, we will not be able to bail them out. There will be nothing that we can say or do at that particular time. There's coming a day when you will not be able to do that. You will stand before the Lord, going to give an account of your life, of your deeds, of your actions, and your children will do the same, just as your parents will and your grandparents. So what's the Lord going to say to you and me? And then more importantly, what's he going to say to your children? What if your children are lost? And the reason they're lost is because you didn't teach them. You didn't train them. You didn't lead them. You didn't set the right example. Is it possible that on the day of judgment, they'll look over to you and say, why did you not do this? And why did you not do that? John said, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. That's all of us. And so I have to ask you the question, is your home built on the rock? And the rock, of course, is Christ. That's the only home that will stand the test of time. And so it might be the case that you're here this morning, that you're not a Christian. As a mommy and a daddy, as parents... That should be the first thing for an example to our children. And especially when they reach that age of accountability. They're learning right now. They're hearing. They're listening. Even though they're playing with whatever, they're doing this. They're hearing. They hear every word. They can almost repeat it right back to you. Right after you said it. They're watching. Are you a Christian? Are you doing what God has said to do? You need to be the example. Show them the way. Show them that Jesus is the way. By being a Christian, a New Testament Christian, what do you got to do? Well, you got to first hear the Word of God because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And that faith will cause you to say, you know, I can't continue doing what I've been doing. I've got to change my ways because the Bible tells me those things are wrong. And thus you will repent. And based upon that repentance, you will want to make that good confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You will want to go down into the waters of baptism to have those sins washed away, Acts 22, 16. To have the remission of sins, Acts 2, 38. The forgiveness of sins and thus to be added to the Lord's church. And if you do that, when you come up out of the waters of baptism, you'll rise to walk in newness of life. No longer the old in my case, the old Charles, but a new Charles, a new person, new creature. Second Corinthians 5, 7. Thus to walk in the ways of the Lord, based upon his word and his word only.
thus setting an example for our children so that they know the difference between right and wrong. But you might be here already a child of God. Maybe you wandered off back into the world of sin. It can happen. As we just learned this morning, the Ephesus left their first love. They needed to repent and return. You can do the same thing. You can repent of that sin. You can return back to God and start continuing to walk in the light. So the time is now. If you're in need of the gospel call, all you have to do is just come as you are. Let's all stand and sing this.